You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. All right, Screening in Kingston for another week, and we welcome back Taylor. Hello, Taylor. Hello, Mike, and all our listeners. I yeah, I've been acting like you've been gone forever. You know, <laughs> it felt like forever. You've been gone for a week. You know, <laughs> like welcome back. And it's like if if you were gone for a month, I'd probably say, okay, we're just back. Here we are, Taylor, and just kind of move on. But yeah, let's we hype up that you were gone for a week, but you missed a lot in terms of this show, at least. I know you had so much content. You had two episodes <laughs> while I was gone. Maybe yeah, I should yeah, take. Over- three hours worth of content (laughs) you overcompensated maybe I should take a break more often (laughs) yeah well what it ended up happening was as most people know who listen to the show is I when when you were going to be gone I had pre-arranged with Tyler to do a little Star Trek talk just because I thought I bring it up all the time sometimes I annoy our listeners and you and probably even myself by bringing it up so I just thought why don't I get all the Star Trek talk out and do an episode um, it timed out really well because the show that shall not be named debuted its third season last week. So it kind of aligned with what was going on. Right. But uh, when we sat down to record, I kind of had two ideas. Now I always thought, let's do two episodes and one will be on our regular slot. Maybe I'll save the other one for later. Um, but uh, we just, I decided to release both of them and they were both ran long. One of them's almost two hours long. The other one's over an hour. So <laughs> there you We've go. Done you it. Got, We've got done that before. Like Sorry? you had, you had, we've done it before. I was away one week, and you did yeah. a Marvel episode, and you had yep. so much content. There was two, was two Marvel episodes, episodes yeah. so yeah, it's not yeah, and that's, that's basically what happened here. Now, how we divvied it up this time was what pe- people who listen on CFRC will will have heard our normal slotted episode, which was Star Trek and social issues. So what we did was we looked at Star Trek episodes that dealt with social topics, political issues, things that still are relevant today. And Tyler and I gave a bunch of episode suggestions and talked about them and reviewed them. And then the extra episode was we just wanted to keep talking Star Trek. So we did our favorite Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. So that's just a podcast only. But if you are do get us you know, on, a, on the podcast or you check our website, you'll see both those episodes are there. But if you were a CFRC listener, you got the first Star Trek episode, which was the social issues one. But feel free to go check out our website or go find us on podcasts and you can get an extra episode there if you're if you're a Star Trek fan. I know that not a lot of people are <laughs> who listen to this show, but hey, we did it and it was fun. And now we don't have to talk about it anymore. I'd say a small but mighty portion of our listeners are probably yeah. as Star- are most Star Trek fans. Yeah. You, Small you but mighty. <laughs> what most are. <laughs> there are a few of us, but we're passionate. <laughs> I would say that I'm not annoyed by your Star Trek conversations. I just am so like I have no frame of reference. Sure. So that's why like, you know, like sure you can talk about it on the show, but I literally have zero input. Well, and- and, and that's the thing, like, usually when I bring it up, it's to either make a point or compare something here, or a fan asks a question. But it was nice to talk to another Star Trek fan, so we could just go back and forth on things, and we didn't, you know, there wasn't that extra level of explaining something, which sometimes you do with someone like you, who doesn't hate Star Trek, but you just don't have a point of reference. You never really watched it. It wasn't really your thing. Um, so it was nice to bring Tyler on to kind of do that. And I just thought, hey, well, I have him. Let's do some extra content. Maybe we'll use it later. But I just decided, let's put it all out Why next not? week. Why not? Um, have a lot of fun. He made the exact same reference you did to the the cats. When the when cats, the cats away, the mice will play. He, You said that, and then he also said that, and we had recorded the episode with him first, so it was funny that you both brought up that same thing, um, <laughs> because we really we really went overboard with you being gone, because there's just so much Star Trek talk, but but you're back now, and the fun may now end. Well, I, <laughs> I have one contribution to Star Trek. I, mm-hmm. uh, this Star Trek conversation, recently, like a couple... Well, a couple months now, I guess. Dan was watching, I think it was Star Trek, and there's a guy named Q. Q, yeah. Who like time travels. 
Uh, or he like, (laughs) go ahead. He's like, he like the episode was, he was like testing to see if humanity has fairness or something. It was like an hour long episode. I dropped in and out. Like I wasn't watching the whole thing with Dan and there was like a weird, like futuristic court scene where Ah, they were like going to condemn them for essentially being human. Yeah, now that so you he could have been watching the pilot episode, so the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I think or he I, could I think be it was the end because the, he, that 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 court scene happens in the first episode and the final episode. Um, and yeah, like you're describing it, basically what Q is. Q returns. He's a recurring, not a lot, but a recurring bad guy. Yeah, and he he pops in every so often, and basically he's an omnipotent being. So he's a life form that they've never seen before who can pretty much do whatever the heck he wants. Like he, he has a lot of unexplained powers. They don't really understand who he is and what he is. And he is putting humanity on trial because he believes that this is going to quote, I'm going to quote him. He believes that humanity is a childish race of people. We are, you know, we're, we're, we treat each other brutally in our past. We've done all these horrible things and sort of the, the kind of counterpoint which Picard's always trying to prove to him is humanity has the capacity to grow and that what that's what makes us great we can grow and learn and change so yes if you look at our past it's awful but if you look at how far we've come and what we're doing now and how we're still improving we deserve to be part of sort of the universe and Q's whole point is you should go back to where you come from you're you're you don't deserve to be here so it's actually it became the interesting kind of point of the series is let's prove that humanity has grown a bit so your point your of everything you could have said star trek wise you said something extremely important <laughs> to one there of you the go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go what you saw was the the framework and the foundation of star trek connection i don't need to see anything else because i saw that Yes, exactly. If you just explain that to, to a Star Trek fan, they go, oh, okay, you have a okay. general idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's really funny. That's funny that of everything you've got Q, who can do kind of anything and, and is that type of character. That's really funny. Well, there you go. The best of. Um, yeah, so, uh, but you're back. So that will be, I guess, the last of our Trek talk until it gets brought up again. Um, we do have some fan questions for today, which is great. We've got... Uh, a list of movies from you, Taylor, that you you brought on your your honeymoon, and and you're going to talk a little bit about that. And then I'm going to review the tr- Trial of the Chicago Seven, which uh, came out on Netflix this past week. So that's our lineup for today. Um, we're going to start with fan questions as usual, and then Taylor, maybe you can go into what made it on your list of movies to watch over your honeymoon. Cool. Uh, so fan questions. We actually have two weeks worth of Josh fan questions uh, because we had pre-recorded the Star Trek stuff last week. So right. we'll do one of Josh's now and then we'll we'll bookend him with the other people. Um, okay, so Josh says, oh, hey, short and sweet this week. What TV show or movie do you wish you could go back and watch again for the first time? Signed, Josh, the Inquisitor. Um a TV show or movie that if we could go back and watch it for the first time, what would it be? I think for me, I, I mean, I have to go for the, the TV show that I found has been the most sort of gripping for me, which would be the newsroom. Okay. Um, I think I've brought that up on the show before. It was an HBO show and it ran for about three seasons, but it, it actually is written by Aaron Sorkin, who is the writer of the trial of Chicago seven. So oh. kind of, thematically fits in but the newsroom of all tv shows i think i loved every i think there are hmm, it's probably 23 episodes because i think it had two 10 episode seasons and then it finished with a three or a six or something like that somewhere in the 20s in terms of episodes but there's under 30 episodes and every single episode to me is brilliant so the newsroom if i could go back and watch for the first time and experience that for the first time i think i definitely would I think I would want to watch Hannibal, like, again from the first time. Like, yeah. it's a, it's, from the bit, like, from what the mo- the show was marketed as and what it ended up being and just the roller coaster that it was. And I was so, like, into the show. Like, mm-hmm. it was, like, I was 
such a passionate viewer, I would have, I would have like, I would like to experience that again from the start. Yeah. I mean, I'm still obviously a huge fanable, but now that there's been, what's that thing called that you are? Fanable. Yeah. (laughs) But now that there's so much distance between the third season and it's, and now because it was, it was canceled and many would say prematurely. So we were all holding out faith that the show would be, um, renewed or picked up by a different streaming service or what have you um well now that that, that's like turned into years I think because there's so much distance between me and the series now I'm not as passionate as I was but I was like like right on like I was a huge fanable and was like reading the fanfic and everything and it was just yeah you know there's not a, a lot of media that gets you as passionate as that. You know what I mean? So I agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. So from start to finish, I would have liked to experience that fresh, anew. Yeah, I think there's there's so there's a lot of great things out there, but in terms of media, in terms of TV shows, in terms of movies, there isn't as many things or or it's still rare to find that thing that you're so passionate about that you read everything you get your hands on you love talking about it like i you know another one would have been game of thrones it's certainly during its its heyday you know when 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 it was was good when it was really yeah when and and i think when it was good it was really good and each week was gripping and you never knew what was going to happen and there was at least a two-year period where you know, it's still coming on weekly and you're watching it weekly and you're just gripped by everything going on. You can't wait for it and you're excited for it. Like those those types of experiences I love. I, I'm still hopeful and I still think they'll happen. Like I still think there will be shows and there will be media that's created that grips people in that way again. But yeah, if I could if I could experience that again. Now what about movies? Is there a movie that you've wish you could see again for the first time and like relive that reaction of the way you felt about it? That's hard to say. Um I guess because with movies, any of my favorite movies, you can just rewatch. You know yeah. I mean, it's like the same with the TV and it does show. Remind you about it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Like, I don't know. For me, at least, every time I watch um, certain movies, like the the last two Avengers movies and Star, the last couple Star Wars movies, I remember the experiences of seeing them with people for the first time and the excitement around it. Like, I feel like with with that, it, it does it does you can relive it almost. Yeah, I just, I guess I can't, obviously, you know, I, I go to, well, in the before times, I certainly did go to the movies a lot with other people, but Mm -hmm. in a way, almost, I feel like my movie watching is like very independent. Like certainly like I have seen movies with people and they have been wonderful experiences and we had a great time, but I, most of the movies that I really love I've probably seen on my own. So I really can't think of a movie that kind of just uh, stirs up similar feelings the way that you're describing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I, I know I, sometimes it's funny that we're a movie podcast and our answers end up being like TV's better. <laughs> sometimes it is. No, but you're right. Though. Like T I'm just thinking now that you brought that up, the biggest comparison is with TV I think there is a there's a certain build up that happens yeah. with a really good show where you're excited for it week to week. You know what's coming up next week, but you do have to wait for it, which is good. Like, and it was kind of the only comparable experience I have now, at least, is the I had to wait a year, an entire year, to see the end of the Avengers movie because one pretty much ended on a you know on a cliffhanger. Yeah, the cliffhanger. And that doesn't happen that often. And I remember that feeling when I was a kid, like Lord of the Rings movies would come out every three or four years. You know, you get a Harry Potter movie every two or three years. Like there would be these long gaps to see your story continue. And when I was younger, I had lots of things that were like that. Now that I'm a bit older and there's so much movies, it's like, oh, you liked it chapter one. Don't worry. Next year we'll give you it chapter yeah. two. Like it's so quick. <laughs> Whereas exactly. Yeah, I think there's a longevity, even though you know a year is longer than a week. It feels so different to to have little bits of the story given to you one week at a time, and you have to kind of follow it. I think I would say like I would wish I could go back and watch movies for the first time with my Baba who yeah. passed away. Like. So not so much 
movies themselves, but like I wish I could go back and watch movies with her, if that makes sense. Because yeah. like I saw totally. lots of movies with my grandma growing up, like Cleopatra, The King and I, and those are all certainly good movies. But it's not like, oh, I really wish I could see Cleopatra again. It's like, no, I wish I could watch it with my Baba again. Yeah. I think that would be my answer. Yeah, and I think that's totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. And and to me, that work, I think the experience you have watching a movie can fit in right with this type of question, where it's like you want to relive the experience, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, next question comes from Kathy, who says, Congratulations, Taylor and Dan. I'm so glad that your wedding day finally came. Wishing you both years of happiness. Good music choice on the wedding. We were supposed to go to Newfoundland for the Fogo Island Music Festival, and Turpin's Trail was the headliner. Unfortunately, COVID canceled that plan. Wow. Um, She says that uh, now that winter is approaching, can you name some of your favorite binge movies or series? Enjoy Enjoying the show every week. Signed, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy, for your warm wishes. Yes, did I did I mention that Turpin Turpin Trails um, played at my wedding? I don't you even did. remember. Oh yeah, you did. I mean that was beautiful. But yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, and yes. Kathy's a big fan. Uh, I, too bad they couldn't see them uh, in Newfoundland. That would have been great. But yes, uh, Turpin Trail. You did mention that. Yeah. Yeah, it really did feel like a private concert. They were amazing. Um, if you know when we're able to see live music again um, sort of more normally. And if they happen to be playing something um, here in Kingston, definitely recommend seeing them. Um, yeah, they play all the time. Like I've seen I've seen their advertisements for their stuff. Like they, they're always around in Kingston. Yeah. So hopefully people will be able to check them out. They're very talented. Yeah. Um, yeah but they're... to the question about movie, binge movies for the winter. Yeah. Binge movies for the winter. So I, to me, I see this question as what's a what's a good movie or TV show to kind of trap yourself in your house over winter and just kind of watch? Like, what's a good wintry movie? You know, it's just like coming to mind. What's coming to mind? <laughs> um, the Stephen King movie where the nurse traps the author. In her... Wait, the, the secret window? No, <laughs> it's like... Oh my gosh. Hold on. You answer and I'm going to Google. Okay, all right. my, I'm my... very curious about this. Um, for me, I think I mentioned this on, uh, on previous podcasts, certainly as the winter get like into November, December, early winter, I love rewatching the Star Trek films. Um, so that's one for sure. But like, I don't know, Christmas time in December always reminds me of like Lord of the Rings. So I always binge the Lord of the Rings movies just because I think they came out around those times. You um, always like watching like the ones that are in my mind are the ones that play on TV in Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Harry Potter, Harry Potter, yeah, Lord of the uh, Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Those are your Christmas movies. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. The things that play on TV or like, uh, you know, stations will have a marathon. We're going to play all the Harry Potter movies this weekend. I think those are all very good to just be in winter and that kind of winter feeling. And certainly, again, I think it's because when I was younger, that's what was playing on TV. Um, But series wise, I mean, it's a little harder because a lot of the series that I'm really looking forward to are actually coming out. It, during the winter so i'm actually really looking forward to to binging some new stuff um this winter so it's it's hard i haven't been thinking about tv as much um but certainly movie wise those are some of the ones that always pop in my head i think the star trek films are a great rewatch for the winter um i i mean i think anything anything that is set in space i always love for the winter i don't know why there's like you know cold. Yeah, maybe because it's cold. <laughs> yeah, space is cold. But you know how we were talking about, um, we we brought up Man from Uncle a couple times. Yep. Uh, Our summertime. Yeah, like Man from Uncle and that type of adventure movie to me belongs in the summer. Like, I want to watch Man from Uncle in the summer, but I want to watch Star Trek in December. I want to watch Lord of the Rings in December. I want to watch Mission Impossible in the summer. Like, those types of movies. So, to me, longer, the winter is for movies that, that build that marinate and have longer storytelling like Star Trek and Lord of the Rings. It marinates and things. Yes, there's lots of action, but it's fantasy and it's sci-fi and it marinates and it's character driven. And it's very, you know, there's very um, philosophical discussions and debates happening that those types of films. 
Yeah. The movie that I was, that came to mind, Misery. <laughs> Misery. <laughs> That's the movie that popped into Kathy, your head. <laughs> Kathy Bates. Um, and it takes place in the wintertime, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Like, it, right. it's his, his um, car breaks down, like there's a car accident. And um, she brings him, Kathy Bates brings him to his, uh, to her cabin and essentially like traps him and because she's like obsessed with him so that's like a good wintry Stephen King actually isn't a bad choice to binge in the winter time because there's so many not because when I think binge it's like oh you want to pop in one movie after the other right so um to the next yeah so as opposed to it being um a franchise like Harry Potter or um uh star wars kind of what you were talking about kind of that franchise um stuff if you just kind of go down stephen king's um like the adapt stephen king adaptations you'd be set for winter because there's so many of them I, I, I i can think of several stephen king films that would be perfect to have over the winter like just be perfect movies to just kind of sit back so you're right i think stephen king is a very good way to go yeah and um they just, re- you could even do um, uh, Stephen King adaptations that's been remade. So the original <laughs> It and then yep. It 1 and 2. It one um, and two. You, you know you- what's funny about It? Um, you just remind me of that. My, my mom watched It Chapter 2 and was going on and on about how good it was and was describing it to me. And she's like, oh, yeah, I just watched the remake of It. And I was like, that sounds like It Chapter 2. And she's like, yep, It Chapter 2. I guess they, you know, whatever they, she didn't know there was a chapter one. And I was like, wait a minute, there's another movie, like go back. Like, so hopefully she finds that eventually. I don't think it's on streaming yet, but she liked it chapter two. She's getting like, it chapter one was better. Like she's going to love the first one. Uh, She just thought that was the way it was. Cause I guess in the book that it does jump back and forth. Yeah. Like chapter chapter one was like the made for TV one in the eighties. Yeah. That's like what she thought. Yeah. Yeah. So you just reminded (laughs) me of that. I meant to bring up that story earlier, but yeah, I I think that if you like it chapter two, you're going to love the first one. But again, I think they just threw that up on streaming. Like I think it was on Crave or something and the first chapter wasn't there. That's so funny. But the funny thing is your mom and dad like go to the movies often. Yeah. So I don't know how they just missed the first Well, I think that chapter one came out while they were in Europe. Oh, fair enough. I remember correctly because they they were in Europe for a a period of time like before COVID, like this two years ago. Like I think it was when it chapter one came out or was being advertised, they were away. So they probably just like, I'm sure there's other films like that, that they didn't realize came out that they caught up on. So I think that's what happened. So when it chapter two came out, I think, you know, that it's kind of easy to to miss. So it kind of makes sense though. Like when I'm thinking about it, it's like that movie stands well on its own anyway. So you can kind of understand thinking it's, that's just the movie. That's amazing. I love that story. Um, Another one you could do would be the original Pet Cemetery, And then they recently remade it. Like last year. Yeah. The remake came out. So that would be my uh, suggestion. Hunker down. Yeah. Stephen Stephen King. King. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last questions come from Josh. He's got three here. He says, oh, hey, now that you're back, Taylor, I can congratulate you on your wedding. And I hope that your weekend away went well and that you enjoyed it. So there you go. Some congratulations to Josh. Um, so he's got three questions here. First is for both of us. Do either of you have Halloween or fall movie traditions? For example, is there any movie that you watch every year around the same time? I kind of already answered this with uh, Star Trek and I always go through lots of spooky movies around this time. But what about you, Taylor? Any movie you always come back to? When I was younger, I definitely was a big Nightmare Before Christmas fan, yeah. but I think I watched it less well to be honest I was a spooky kid so I watched it all year round but I think I liked to time Nightmare Before Christmas in between Halloween and Christmas you know what though you and I had this discussion I remember two years ago because you and I agree that that should be the place for it because it's the nightmare before Christmas yeah the movie makes sense to be somewhere after Halloween and before Christmas it's like a shoulder movie like the shoulder season um, I feel like I often watch Beetlejuice at some point around Halloween time. 
Um, I like to watch The Craft around Halloween time. Um, So those would be kind of, I I would say, like, I watch kind of, like, the typical Halloween movies around Halloween time. Less, like, horror per se, but, you know, kind of that, I don't know, I guess some people might consider The Craft horror. But kind of those, like, more spooky, less scary type movies. And again, more like atmospheric kind of movies. Similar yeah. to what you described with your winter movies, like I would say whatever, like whatever movies would have been on cable TV around Halloween, those probably would have been the movies that I'll be watching around. Yeah, Halloween. it's funny how that sticks with you, right? Yeah. Like it's, it kind of stays with you. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. But now I just uh, watch them on DVD or streaming. <laughs> yeah, or streaming. Uh, his next question is for you specifically, Taylor. He wants to know. The Haunting of Blind Manor is now released. Have you watched it yet? I'm planning to start this week. So um, it came out right where as I was on honeymoon, and Dan does not like anything scary. Um, he does not like – he'll tolerate sort of moderate spookiness but doesn't like sure. scares. So, yeah, but there's a limit. He doesn't want to go yeah. over it. So yeah. I was able to um, – squirrel a couple episodes away during my honeymoon like when dan went for a run or something i would watch an episode (laughs) great (laughs) yeah when we had our alone time um so i've watched six episodes so far um so i guess i squirreled more away than I thought. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot more than I thought. I thought you like maybe watched two, six. Well I because I probably watched two or three while on honeymoon and then watched like another two or three over the weekend when we got back again when like Dan was out of the house um on his runs or whatever um so yes the answer is yes I've started it no I have not finished it it's so different and I'm hoping to give a better like a more in-depth review probably on our Halloween episode or like leading up to Halloween um it is so different than uh Haunting of Hill House that it's really hard to compare the two. Like I couldn't say one's better than the other. I would say that I was more like the haunting of Hill house is scarier. Um, but the story of this one is really absorbent. It like, I'm really into the story of this one, but it's much slower. So I'm going to yeah. reserve my final judgment until I watched the whole series because apparently the last episode like really ties everything together really nicely, which was actually the same with the haunting of Hill house. So um, I'm not going to weigh in, but I, I do anyone who really enjoyed haunting of Hill house, please watch um, the haunting of Bly Manor and hopefully write in and tell me what you thought Um, Mm -hmm. because it's so different from last year. Yeah, and pe- people should write in this week about it because next week is the final episode before Halloween. So we'll try to yeah. talk about it then if you're ready uh, to chat next week about it. Um, yeah, if anyone else has watched it, write in. Let us know what you thought. And just a little bit quick background. Um, longtime listeners will know that last year I, uh, or the year before I reviewed Haunting of Hill House. Um, the show creator, The Haunting of Hill House, did so well that essentially it sounded like if you wanted to have a second season the showrunner would have like had free reign to make a second second season but he really felt like the story uh really concluded nicely in one season so instead what he's doing is he's taking an anthology approach where each season is a brand new story but it's the same cast but the cast is obviously playing different characters sure yeah which, which is a great way to do it. I mean, that's yeah. a great compromise. You know, you, you keep your cast working, but you you get to continue to tell different stories. And I like when artists do that. E- even if I would like to see more, which we talked about with like Watchmen, I really appreciate when someone goes, nope, it was one season. This is it. We're that not going to do more. Stretch it out. Yeah. Very nice. Um, last question. Josh wants to know. He said, he, this question's for me. But you can answer it, Taylor. I mean, it's, it's pretty generic. I don't know why it's this for me, says Michael. Are there any new series coming out that you're looking forward to watching? Um, and there's quite a few, actually. Um, I'm really looking forward to WandaVision, which is going to be on Disney+. Plus. 
um, which uh, is is continuing the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but on on television. Uh, but it'll be on streaming on Disney Plus. And uh, Netflix announced quite a few shows that I really like are returning. So uh, throughout the winter, you know, the final season of Lost in Space, I'm really excited for uh, the final season of Atypical. I'm really excited for a fourth season of uh, Stranger Things is also coming out. So those those are shows I've been looking forward to, and I'm glad. I think Lost in Space and Atypical is going to be their final season, but I'm glad they're getting another one because I really enjoy those shows, um, and I'm I'm really liking it. And I also I over over the COVID time, and actually while I was moving, I started. I found uh, the TV show The Rookie which uh, Nathan Fillion is in and surprisingly liked it. I don't usually like uh, a lot of procedural shows, but uh, the two seasons I saw of that were quite good. And I know it's going to get a third season. It's just been delayed um, for COVID and various other reasons. So um, I think that those shows I'm all really looking forward to. And a lot of them are going to be coming out soon. I think WandaVision is going to be coming out over the winter. So I'm, I'm pumped for those. Um, I'm going to answer anyways, even though the question wasn't for me. Yeah, I don't know why this is directed at me, but go ahead. <laughs> um, Glow, unfortunately, something that I was very much looking forward to, the fourth season of Glow has been canceled due to COVID. So due to COVID. Yeah. obviously on this show, we talk about movies and uh, the movie industry has kind of been turned upside down because of COVID, but we really hadn't been talking about TV much. And to be honest, I hadn't really seen a lot of television um, be canceled or impacted too much. I think maybe, I mean, my guess would be so much of it is filmed in Vancouver and (laughs) Vancouver is better off than um, a lot of places in the world right now. Um, That's just my guess. But now um, Glow has been canceled. They said that they can't. The weird thing is they, they had a weird excuse, like fiscally, they feel like they can't put it off any longer. So it's better just to cancel the show than to delay filming. But all of the cast has already been paid. So kind of a weird thing. The cast is obviously pretty gutted and they're hoping that maybe later on they can film a movie as opposed to a fourth season because it did kind of end on a cliffhanger. Like it wasn't, they, it ended with the full expectation that there would be a fourth season. So that's kind of a bummer. A real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one show that I, it's not a new show, but it's something that I'm hoping to watch soon is um, Ted Lasso. Have you heard of that? It's on Apple TV. I've never heard of that. <laughs> uh, you would probably like it, Mike. It's about, um, he's a college football coach. And he gets hired to coach football in England, thinking it's like American style football. But then when (laughs) he shows up, it's soccer. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Um, And it's had one season on Apple TV and it's it's been renewed already for a second season. I don't have Apple TV. I'm hoping that, fingers crossed, it might eventually come to a different streaming service or hopefully... um, it's new enough that I don't think the season's been released on DVD, but I'm hoping that, fingers crossed, the, the classic video will get it. Although classic video does take requests, so I might write them an email and ask if they're planning on getting it, because that sounds like a really good show that sounds well, great. <laughs> both Dan and I would like. Like It has the sports angle for Dan, but it's also a comedy. So Yeah. Um, what a great premise. <laughs> yeah, it sounds hilarious. And Such apparently, different games. <laughs> and it's like a feel-good comedy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be, like, nice. Which yeah. is kind of what you want right now. Like, you just want, like, yeah. a nice show. Yeah, and something nice and fun and a nice comedy. Feel yeah. good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but thank you, Josh, for those questions. Um, and everybody for writing in today. Um, so, Taylor, why don't, uh, why don't you talk to us about what movies you brought on on your honeymoon uh, and how that went so um we ended up renting from classic video paddington one paddington two and blazing saddles blazing saddles <laughs> and i never seen blazing saddles and okay you've never seen it before okay dan had seen it but it had been a long time and um 
we obviously, you know, I talk about Paddington on this show all the time because it's just like mm-hmm. really great cinema. Um, yeah. And Dan and I both <laughs> really enjoy it. So we that's why we got the um, Paddington 1 and 2. Well, we show up to the Airbnb. <laughs> there is no DVD player. That's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> on top of that, both of us have like new laptops and a lot of new laptops don't have DVD. Yeah. Oh, right. I was about to say, oh, you have to watch it on your laptop, but no, no. we couldn't. (laughs) So we were able to, um, Netflix has Paddington one, but not Paddington two. So we watched Paddington one and, um, I'm not going to say how we watched it, but we also watched, um, over the garden wall, which is a animated series from the comedy network. It came out, I think in 2016, um, and it's been on my watch list for a really long time. It's by the guys, it's by the creator of Adventure Time. And I'm a really big Adventure Time fan. So if you like that sort of quirky, um, sometimes even a little bit dark sense of humor, like mm. I watch Adventure Time and even though it's a, a children's show, it doesn't feel like a children's show to me. Right. And yeah. I would say the same goes for Over the Garden Wall. Like it is probably intended for children but it didn't feel like a children's animated show i i would like show it to my children but like as adults we certainly enjoyed it and it's actually going to be yeah yeah um i would say it's going to be one of my new like yearly fall watches really yeah okay that good perfect for the fall perfect for the halloween um, it's spooky, but not like outright scary. It's so charming. It's 10 episodes and each episode is 10 minutes. Um, so a similar format as Adventure Time, like Adventure Time is 10 minute episodes, but typically are shown back to back. So um, that's, we watched it all the way through, you know, all the way back to back, which ended up being like about the length of a movie, like 10 episodes at 10 minutes that's a hundred minute that's I don't know can't do the math it's it's about movie length so we watched that um and then the funny thing we also watched Clue on Amazon Prime nice and we watched um the Addams Family also on Amazon Prime and so funnily enough um without planning it uh the actor Christopher Lloyd was in three of the things we watched. Oh, so, so he, he became the theme yeah, of the honeymoon. of our honeymoon. <laughs> so he was one of the voices in Over the Garden Wall. He is in Clue, and yeah. he's the psychologist in Clue, and then he's Uncle Fester in The Addams Family. It's, it's, it's so funny that you end up getting one actor that ends up being in multiple things. Totally That's by funny. accident. Yeah, they're not even planned. You know, you're like, oh, we're going to watch... Some Christopher Lloyd movies. He just happened to be there. And like, what a random, what a random actor. Like, it wasn't even like, like, oh, we're going to watch a bunch of Brad Pitt movies. No, Christopher Lloyd. No, no, Christopher Lloyd. He just happened to be in three of the movies we watched. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. That's really funny. And then in between, like at dinner time, we um, watched a lot of Seinfelds because the Airbnb had a smart TV. And I, I suspect that a previous guest signed into their crave and forgot to sign out. (laughs) But Dan thinks that, Oh no, no, no. Like it's probably the Airbnb's crave. I'm like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight it. Uh, I'm not going to fight a good thing. So we watched, we watched a lot of Seinfeld. I did sneak in a couple episodes of um, the haunting of Bly Manor. Um, And then when we got home, we watched Paddington two and blazing saddles. I, I've been thinking about this a lot when you said that you guys were going to like bring movies and stuff on, on your honeymoon. It was like, I was trying to think, are there any movies that you would not want to have on your honeymoon? Like I, I was like everything you're naming for whatever reason seems to make sense to me. It's like, Oh yeah. Like fun, fun movies, lighthearted comedies, things with a lot of heart, maybe because it's October, a little, some little spooky stuff in there. But I was trying to think like, is there really anything 
other than stuff you just don't like that you could bring on a honeymoon that would like be bad? Like I can't I can't think of anything. Like can you think of anything thematically that just wouldn't work? Antichrist? <laughs> I would not bring I would not bring Antichrist. Why does Antichrist work though? Explain to me the time when that film is ready. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> like, never it never works. works. Okay, yeah, like, well, this movie's perfect for right now. It's like saying like her smell has a time where it's like, well, like it's, there's no time for her smell. There's no moment. I would say any movie that factors in like divorce or like the end of a relationship. So if that's like the main theme of it is yeah. two couple breaking up, yeah, that's true. Like, what was the movie you saw with Adam Driver? Oh, Marriage Story. Yep. Yeah. Don't watch oh, a marriage story. Oh, that'd be awful <laughs> for your honeymoon. Oh, that would be awful. Especially because you if you took sides. That's, <laughs> if yeah. you, one person was on one side, one was on the other. That would be terrible. I would say any sort of like Battle of the Sexes movie. You know? Like, like such as Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. The tennis movie. Um, I also saw that. Um, the Witches of Eastwick. Even though, like, technically... Wait, wait. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Is that... So it's about, like, three witches who get seduced by the devil. Oh. <laughs> and then they That's team okay. up and they essentially, like, you know, give him his due. But that, I would say, is not a good honeymoon movie. Practical Magic isn't really a good honeymoon movie because, again, like, there's, like, a bad boyfriend that comes back from the dead. Um, Anything that puts one of the two people in the couple on the hot seat is probably not a yeah. not a good movie to have. Yeah. So that's why the Adams Family is such a great movie for a honeymoon because it's such a wonderful like at uh, Gomez and Morticia couple goals. So mm-hmm. it yeah. yeah, and then Paddington's a great family movie. You know, seeing a lovely family work together that's a nice way to start a marriage so absolutely yeah i stand by our choices no i think your choice again uh, as i said for whatever reason everything you said just seems to fit um which made me think well there must be things that don't fit uh you also named some great ones that don't fit so yeah no absolutely that was great it's too bad about the dvd player but i'm glad you found at least a way around it like you were able to get some of the movies you picked in that was good. And we still got to wa- watch our rentals and they still were returned on time. So all in right. all, I would say it was a good movie going experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honeymoon success yes. because of the movies. Um, <laughs> that's great. No, that's, that's really good. Good to hear. Um, okay. So uh, just in the time we have left, I'm going to, I'm going to review the trial of the Chicago seven and then Taylor, you can't let me forget because it's already slipped my mind twice that we got to do an announcement at the end of this episode. Yeah, I was going to say something at the top of the hour, but then thought, oh, he'll bring it up. Just interrupt me and say it, because (laughs) near the end of the show, we got to say that. I didn't even, I forgot to tease it. That's how much it slipped my mind. Big announcement. Yeah, big announcement. End of the show. Anyway. Stay tuned. tuned. We'll stay tuned. Um, Yeah, so while Taylor was on Honeymoon, I was not. um, And I watched uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which just came out on Netflix um, this was a movie I, I was kind of looking forward to. Like I'd heard about it a little while ago. Um, didn't have huge anticipation for it, but uh, I thought, hey, this will be this will be interesting. It's got a great cast. Was it um, supposed? So think, was it? I'm going to interrupt already. Was it supposed to be um, opened in theaters? I don't know. I tried to actually find that out, um, and it seems it seems like it it was always going to be a netflix it feels like a netflix movie for some reason yes yeah it seems like that's what it was everything i read was inconclusive which makes me think this was supposed to come out on netflix but you that's an interesting point that you bring up because i every time i see something come out on netflix i I think in my head would this have ever made it into theaters before covid um yeah this has a very netflix feel to it in in a lot of ways um, it, 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 sim- it feels a lot like that Ted Bundy movie, um, that we reviewed last year. I think it was, um, the one with Zac Efron. With the really the, long name. Yes. Not the documentary. Extremely wicked and terrible horrible. and yeah, horrible. Terrible. Um, <laughs> this movie f- feels like that as well, but I do think it's, it, it's up a, it's up a notch in terms of most things. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the it's written by Aaron Sorkin, who I think is a fantastic writer. Like people will probably know him a lot from from TV, like The West Wing, The Newsroom. Um, but he's also like Molly's Game. He wrote and actually he directed this. He directed this as well. This is only the second time ever directing. 
Um, and uh, he wrote Moneyball. He wrote The Social Network. He's won Academy Awards for his writing. Like he's he's a very well known for his writing. And I think his strength is is dialogue. He's very good at getting two characters together and having them have dialogue back and forth and feels very, if if not real, he makes it feel very much like, oh yeah, this character for sure would say that. He makes it very realistic for, for the characters that he builds. Um, and this movie has absolutely got that. These characters, based on real people, because this is a real event, um, the, there was a, I guess, a riot. I didn't know much about this actually. Um, going into it, I did some research after. There was a riot in Chicago um, in and around, I believe it was the Democratic National Convention. I do want to check that because I, I want to make sure I get the political party right. Yes, Democratic National Convention During in 1968. 68. Yeah, 68. Yeah. yeah, specifically 68 because there's, there's you know, some election tensions coming on because there's an election coming up. Vietnam. Yeah, the Vietnam War is happening. So there's a lot of people protesting that. And really, this is all about the, the war and people wanting a change in policy. So this is the trial of the seven people who the government was sort of blaming for this riot. They said they started it. We have to put them on trial because it was their actions that led to um, a lot of things happen. Like they they intercut a little bit of footage from from uh, from the actual um actual riots and it's it got uh, bloody and brutal pretty fast so it was real news footage eh? i love what well, they do actually it was real uh uh sort of like handheld camera footage oh, cool and they had because i guess i mean back then cameras weren't exactly commonplace but someone had a camera um and so what happened is is it's, it's one of my favorite moments actually while the riot's happening they've got the camera like in the movie going and then it, it suddenly will switch to black and white and you see some of the footage and then switches back. Um, cool. So they recreate a couple moments. Yeah, I thought that was really good. And there's not much because there isn't a lot of footage from this. Again, cam- cameras back then were not of the quality they are now. So a lot of what they have is choppy and not usable. So it only happened a couple of times. When it did, it was kind of interesting to see the comparison. Um, even to when, you know, the trials coming on, if there was a news footage thing they put in there, they did a great job of casting this movie because everyone looked like everybody. No kidding. <laughs> like it, was, it was so weird. Everyone looked identical to the characters they were playing. Well, that's good. Yeah. And it's, it, um, it, especially, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit quickly about, about the actors like, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen played Abby Hoffman who was one of the leaders of, of this specific group. So I guess there were more than one groups represented. They came together for this massive thing. The seven people knew each other a lot through similar political views and similar sort of activist views. Um, and when the trial takes place, it's kind of talking about their connections. And what the movie does very interestingly is it jumps back and forth. So the movie begins almost immediately at the trial. You see the lead up to the riots, but you don't see the riots. You see the trial next. And during the trial, it jumps back and forth, which I thought was very well done. And Sasha Barrett Cohen's character is really interesting because he's kind of the comic relief, but he also has some of the most heartfelt and important impactful moments of the movie. Um, So perfectly cast, not only because he looked identical to the one, there was one clip where you saw the real person uh, who he was playing very briefly, and he looks identical to him. It's it's wild. Um, I but think I thought he's a good actor. Oh, great! Yeah, and in this, fantastic. Like he proves to me he's a world class actor in this movie. And if you don't like his comedy, that's that's fine. He you can't deny his talent in this, especially in this movie. So who are who are some other notable? Because it was a, it's a fairly large cast with like seven, yeah, um, seven people, people on trial. Yeah, so so Mark Rylance plays uh, there the main lawyer of the seven. It's actually interesting, and they make a joke about this in the movie. It's the it's the trial of the Chicago Seven, and everyone called them the Chicago Seven, but it was really only five people, and they had two randos there that they used <laughs> for like political reasons. <laughs> like they 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 put two other people on trial because they wanted to show leniency to them. So, so they can be harder on the others. <laughs> like that was the purpose. And even there's a moment where someone asks, like, are you, do you two know why you're here? And they're both like, no, we don't even know why we're here. <laughs> and it's, and it, the movie focuses only on five of them and they make that joke. And I thought that was pretty good. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I think the two the two lawyers to me are the next standouts. Like Mark Rylance plays the lawyer defending the Chicago Seven. He's fantastic in this movie, and Joseph Gordon Lovett plays the prosecutor. Um, Schultz, I think, is his his name, and Joseph Gordon Lovett does incredible in this movie. Like it, it's really him and Mark Rylance for most of the movie. Like the two of them are going toe to toe in this court case, and they're fantastic. Like they're they're really really good. Um, Eddie Redmayne is also in it, and like he's fine. Um, he his his Eddie the Redmayne lean, as I like to call it, is in full view. He leans to the left. You'll notice he leans to his left in every role he does. Um, oh, I wonder if that's camera, like so our right. So if you're looking at it, like it'd be camera right, but he is his left. Do you think maybe that's like a thing with his body or that's like an acting choice? I don't know because it worked <laughs> so well in the theory of everything because he was he was playing somebody who, who was having muscle issue. And then it worked well in the, the Fantastic Beast movies because his character is kind of quirky. Um, but in this movie, and I think, what was the other one? Oh, he, he was nominated for the Oscar for another movie, um, The Danish Girl. So... So in the Danish Girl and in the Trial of Chicago Seven, it's just distracting because it doesn't fit. Hmm. Like it just doesn't make sense as to why he's leaning. Now, what I will say about Eddie Redmayne is the makeup they put on him and the way he he spoke transformed him in a way I've never seen. Like he didn't sound like him at all. He looked fifteen years older easily, but he still leaned to the left. And I just thought, like, why is he still, like, I don't know if it is, like, something he can't control or if that's just him. But he always puts his hands in his pockets and leans slightly to you know the left so in funny? kind of a quirky way. I just Googled <laughs> Eddie Redmayne, Redmayne's trial of Chicago 7. And in the still, he has a hand in a pocket. <laughs> and he's kind, of, he's kind of leaning over a table. Yeah, he does. It. He hands in his pockets and he leans and he kind of looks at you with this kind of like innocent quirk to him. Like he, yeah. he, he is a person. Like if you've ever seen him in an interview, he seems like the nicest guy. Like he's just kind of unassuming, very nice, very quiet, but like a little quirky. And he just does this in every role I've ever seen him in. And sometimes it works for him, and sometimes it just it doesn't fit. So it's funny that you you. That kind of proves my point. That the first thing you see is him putting his hands in his pockets and leaning, because that's what he does. Um, I don't know. It's in full swing. I again, it's hard. Like that's such a nitpicky thing, but it does take me out of the movie a little bit. Like it, it made me be like, well, that's that's there's Eddie Redmayne. Like uh, there's times when he's speaking, I'm like, wow, he disappeared into this character. Oh no, there he is. There's his lean. I'm looking at another. <laughs> I'm looking at another screenshot. He his hand is like on a like a table or something like a there's a bunch of microphones in front of him. Guess what? He's leaning. He's leaning. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an acting choice. I don't know, but it's in full swing, but I mean, I I won't take away from the other parts of his performance. It was very good. I don't think he's the standout. I think this movie is Sasha Baron Cohen, Joseph Gordon Lovett, Mark Rylance, like incredible performances from all of them. Um, And it, it, I really do believe this, what this movie does very well is it introduces you to the characters. It never seems rushed. You get to know everybody a little bit differently. Like there's, You get a char- nice character moment for everybody, so you get to know them. And as I mentioned with what Aaron Sorkin's strength is, every time the character spoke, you, you know, that could only really come out of the mouth of that character. It's not just random words anyone could say. It's said in the voice of the character, which he does very, very, very well. Cool. Um, this movie is, is uh, really interesting. I found it very engaging. I thought there were some director choices that were odd. Um, the one thing I just want to point out is, is remember I, I mentioned the bounce back and forth? So yeah. you're in the courtroom scene, you bounce back to the riots, you go back to the court. Done masterfully. But for some reason, Aaron Sorkin decided he'd also add a third type of jump that we did Online. occasionally, which, we, which jumped to Sasha Baron Cohen's character doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, and describing the action that we were already having being described. So there was one scene where someone was describing what was happening. We were seeing what was happening. And then Sasha Baron Cohen was on stage somewhere also describing what was happening. And what was weird is they brought up that he had come down early and did a comedy show the night before the riots. 
and then this character did the comedy show, whatever. But he's describing things as they happen, things that the character at that time wouldn't have known. So just continuity-wise didn't make any sense. Like, I guess it was more of an artsy thing of like, he's going to comment on it, but you didn't need it. It wasn't adding anything to it. It was actually taking away from the kind of intensity of the moment. Um, I don't understand why it was in there. It was very, very weird. I wonder if maybe they were just trying to, he's a comedian, let's utilize his comedic timing. I don't know. It was like um, Black Cop, how they would splice in those monologues. Yes. It sounds like. Definitely. Yeah. Very similar to that, where it's a little out of place, a little out of time, doesn't always work. And I think it hindered it a little bit because Sasha Baron Cohen, he was the comedic release. Like his character was saying lots of funny things regardless. Um, the last thing I want to just quickly say before I give my rating, I don't want to forget this um, because uh, yeah, there are some things that didn't work, some things that did. What I really liked about the movie was when it introduced us to really the Chicago Five, but there were seven, but really it's the five main characters. There were things about a couple of the characters I didn't really like, but they kind of paid off in the end. Like every one of the five people you saw, okay, things got out of hand at this riot. There were actually things that were done wrong. There were faults that the characters had. But you, once you understood the context, you are watching it going like, okay, I, I kind of see where they're coming from. I kind of understand them a little bit more. Like there's some tragedy that happens. There's this one character who's sort of like Sasha Baron Cohen's like, comedic buddy so there's two of them and they're kind of like going back and forth a lot and i i can't remember the actor who 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 played it but it's an actor that you would recognize in a bunch of things um and they're going back and forth and i actually hated his character the entire time until the riot started and he was the only one trying to protect people like he, he went from screaming like he was yelling at the police he wanted to do something he wanted to act but once things started he saved, like, he saved this girl from being attacked, like, brutally. He saved another person. Like, he, like, was the only one, like, trying to actually help people. And even though he was, I thought it was interesting. And that's what I like, about, again, about Aaron Sorkin. He shows a character moment, but so- shows that character being, like, remorseful. I made a mistake. It's realistic for people to get angry and do something. But then his true nature is to help people. He may yell at people. He may get excited. But when when push came to shove, he was saving people. He was helping people. And I really like that turn because it made me look at the character in a, in a completely so a different great way. character study. He's good at oh for sure yeah all five all five of the people they focus focus on and the two lawyers really well created characters. For that alone, it elevates the movie for me. Despite some of the Humble. troubles, like I'm giving it a stream it um, because it's not perfect. And there's some directing things that are weird. And I think the pace at the beginning of the movie was a little much. But once it got going, it, it was it was fascinating to see this trial. I didn't even get into the stuff. I didn't have time to get into the stuff with the Black Panthers, oh. um, who, you know, who were also not really involved in this, but they were there. It's another thing that happened, I guess. At the beginning of the trial, one of the leaders of the Black Panther who came down to speak was also forced into this trial for no reason. No reason at all. He wasn't involved in the riot at all. He had nothing to do with them. He hadn't even met most of them. Um, but again, it, because the judge was racist and everybody is racist and, and the government wanted to get people, they were trying to smear the name of the Black Panther Party in this riot when they had nothing to do with it. And that that there's so much more to get into in that because that but that was a fascinating part of the movie. About half the movie kind of showed that part of it because that, that was kind of the beginning of the trial and eventually um, eventually things kind of got cleared up there. But yeah, that, that's that's how dense the movie is. There's lots of interesting things in there, but it never at one moment felt overwhelming, which I think means well-written script. What was the runtime? Um, it was just under two hours. Okay. Not 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 quite two hours, but but longer than now. But it's around, around the two-hour mark. Yeah, like a very good, again, Aaron Sorkin, fantastic writer. I think he needs more work as a director, but he's only done two things. So he's probably going to get it. Um, It's a stream. It it's an enjoyable movie. It has a lot of heart to it. It's very important for things like this is the thing. Nothing's changed. 1968. Now this movie could be happening now. And you would be like, yep, there's riots. The police brutality is in there. Um, The issues around race are in there. The issues around, you know, making political statements at the expense of people 
it's all in there. So I think this movie resonates for now. I, I do recommend it. I give it a stream it because to me it falters in some areas. It's not, it's not perfect. It's not amazing and everywhere, but it's a well-written movie. If you love characters, if you love uh, seeing characters interact with each other in a very strong way, if you love those types of things that I love in movies, you'll really enjoy this. Cool. Um, yeah. We're running out of time. So do you want to make yeah. our big announcement? Yes, we got to do this really quickly. We are coming back with another movie club. Woo! So we will be doing movie club number three this November. Um, so it will be November. There'll be four movies, one per week. And the sort of special twist is we're, some people will not like this, but I encourage you to join us. We're going to be talking about some experimental film. We're going to be diving into experimental film, welcoming back Nicole and Tyler like we've kind of talked about, the four of us will be doing this movie club. We hope you'll join us. Um, it'll be really exciting to see the different experimental films that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's a love it or hate it type love of it situation. It. That's what it's be. <laughs> but we are out of time, so we'll talk a little bit more about this next week and release more information. Thank you so much for listening this week. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.